We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Walton, right back into your lives. Talking Buffalo podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I am your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you very much, as always, for locking in on the audio side, Spotify, Apple, or if you're catching us on YouTube, on the video side. I am, well, I'm always excited to have a podcast, and I love having guests on, but I am really excited about today because this is only the second time I did it. We did this roughly a year ago. I'm going to do it again. The exact same cast of characters, too. And I'll tell you what, man, if you're a Bills fan and if you enjoy podcasts, uh, these guys really don't need any introduction. But I'll give it to you anyway. Uh, I, I'm joined by Greg Thompson from Cover One, Joe Marino from Lockdown Bills and the Draft Network, and Bruce Nolan from Buffalo Rumblings, of course, host of the Bruce Exclusive and Food for Thought podcast. We're going to do a podcaster's roundtable. We'll call this version 2.0. Again, we did this um, a year ago, and we're not really going to be talking Buffalo Bills today. I want to talk about podcasting and just a couple life topics and give you fans out there. I know a lot of you listening enjoy these guys on their shows and uh, give you a chance to know a little bit more about them and their process. And uh, we'll learn a couple things, I'm sure, along the way as well. What's going on, guys? How you doing? Pat, not too bad. Pat, I'm doing good. And I got to give you... Uh, a hand because you're the only person in the world that would invite this group of people to come together and not talk about the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> Seriously. And, and we Seriously. said yes. We said yeah, sure. We'll do well, it. I, I've said this I've said it on Twitter and I've said it before on this podcast when I was plugging you guys coming on. If we're gonna talk straight up Bills, we got three great Bills podcast hosts right there. Go on your shows. This is something uh a little bit different. And I like to do this. And again, it's uh it's all about timing. You know, you guys are really busy during the season, of course, and then when the offseason, when free agency and the draft. But now, before things really heat up, figured this would be a, a good time to do it. Let me start here. And by the way, let me say this, too. Uh, and we'll talk about this as part of podcasting stuff. This is not something that I'm really used to doing. So this is a little bit out of my comfort zone, having three guests on at once. In fact, I was telling you guys before we started rolling here that uh, this is the first time I've ever had multiple people on on StreamYard doing this on YouTube as well. So we'll kind of keep the, the format loose. And these questions pretty much are directed towards all you guys. I would like for, for uh, takes and all, all you to chime in a little bit. I want to start with a question I never asked um, the first time we did this. You guys have established podcasts now. If you're a Bills fan, if you're listening to this show, there's a 99.99% chance that people already know who you are. You know, your, your podcast 
are established, but when did you all first start getting into podcasting? Like, when did you first start podcasting? Talk about that first experience, you know, like at that time you pretty much had zero experience. Uh, I'll jump in. Mine is very random. Um, so Eric had just started up cover one and had a, uh, Slack channel going and I, I had been very active and it had almost kind of stumbled into becoming kind of the moderator of the Slack channel and just kind of managing some different stuff back and forth and helping from that standpoint. Uh, and Aaron had been doing the show for uh, maybe a half a season uh, for a, a short stretch of time and was struggling having a dependable second person coming on. And um, as I'm sure each of you can attest, uh, all of a sudden had people after losses that weren't available to come on to be able to do the show. Uh, uh, it's always you know the worst part of our gig is going live right after a loss. Um, and randomly it came up at one point like, hey, uh, you seem to know what you're talking about in the chat. Have you ever recorded yourself? Do you want to give this a shot? <coughs> And uh, we we went live the Packers game in 2018, Oof. and that was literally the first time I had ever done any live recording of any kind, and took off from there. And it was uh, what were your nerves like at that time? Right um, that. you remember? Oh, very nervous, very nervous. Uh, you know, you know, I I luckily have done a ton of public speaking and things like that professionally, and I wasn't nervous from that standpoint, but stepping into something I was very passionate about and cared a lot about and then wondering, oh, am I going to come off, you know, intelligently? Am I going to know what I sound like? I know what I'm talking about. Am I going to be able to portray the notes I'm taking here during the game and, and be able to react to that and not just be regular, you know, barstool kind of chatter back and forth where I know I can carry a conversation, but now in a more formal setting, am I going to be comfortable with it? And like anybody, we, we had, you know, kind of our bumps, but luckily Aaron and I built very natural chemistry very early on, and, and that certainly helped a lot. But, um, yeah, mine was very random and just because other people weren't dependable. <laughs> what about you, Joe? And let me say this, too, before we get going. I should have said this at the beginning. One of – well, there's many reasons why I want to have you three on, and we talked about some of that last year. But I want to point out that there's a difference – one difference, at least, between all of us for sure is while Greg and Bruce and myself – do this more as as a hobbyist this is actually joe's living joe does this full-time for a living so i just wanted to make sure everyone listening and watching knew that but uh as for you joe how did, how did you get started in this with podcasting well it, it really came down to this being my dream to work in football media and i was like 10 years into a pretty successful career in business management and I'll be honest with you. It never had my full focus. I, I just wanted to talk football. I just wanted to be in football. And so I started to examine what people who work in football do and really take inventory of what they're doing so that I can replicate those things and give myself a real chance to do this and not have to do any other work besides football. And became pretty clear that there wasn't people that are working in full-time football media that were just writing articles. And I needed to expand my portfolio to include multimedia content production. And so I had to, I had to embrace podcasting. I had to embrace the audio format and, and the, the latest challenge for me. And I would say over the last 
three or four years has been embracing the video component of yeah. producing content. And and I know that I knew that I needed to do it to be an all of the above person, writing, podcasting, video content. And so it was just about finding my lane within the podcasting community and landscape. And for me, initially, that was the NFL draft. And it still is. I still do a daily podcast on the NFL draft. I think most of the people listening to this today or watching this today would know me from covering the bills, but that came after I was well-established in the draft space. Right. And then it just became, Hey, I feel good about where I'm at from an NFL draft perspective. I really want to do something with the bills. And so I, I use the different connections that I've had and networks that I've been associated with in the past to, to put myself in position to do the lockdown bills podcast. So it was just definitely just me chasing a dream and understanding what that was going to take for me to get there. And I've loved it. It's been a lot of fun. Now, what about you, Bruce? Now, when I first met you or at least learned of you, I remember it was from the Nick and Nolan show on Buffalo Rumblings, but I could be wrong, but that wasn't your first like foray into podcasting as a whole, was it? So I find it highly ironic that the three guests that you have all have different levels of enthusiasm when it comes to their initial foray into podcasting. Mm -hmm. Joe chased it out, right? Joe sought it out. Greg was approached by somebody else. And then I was dragged kicking and screaming into <laughs> the podcasting space. I had no interest in doing this. I was an extremely reluctant uh, volunteer, if you will. You can't see me. I'm doing air quotes into this podcasting space. It was not my idea. I was essentially. We'll, we'll pretend to, to be it. surprised. <laughs> yes, I, I was I was guilted into doing it is what happened. So um, the Nick and Nolan show was the first show on Buffalo Rumblings. But before that, um, my previous co-host Nick and I did uh, the Bills Backers podcast, which was done entirely because I felt guilty that I did not assist Nick in helping to set up the local chapter of the Bills Backers. And I felt like I was completely left out. I was like, well, I, I should I should do something. Let's do something to promote. The, the local chapter of the Buffalo Bills backers. Let's do something. And he goes, oh, let's do a podcast. I said, no, no, let's not do that. <laughs> let's not do that. Anything but that. He goes, no, no, we should do a podcast to kind of promote it. And so we did. And then it just, it just kind of became this thing. But um, after about two episodes, I was like, no, nah, this is it. I'm done. I, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm out. I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do this. I'm not interested. Um, I don't, I don't like to broadcast myself. I'm not interested. And he convinced me to keep doing it. And then I got stuck in since here I, here I am four years later. And I, I just, I, I kept doing it for some reason uh, <laughs> in a very similar vein to Greg Tom said, my first podcast was right around that exact same time. It was like two weeks after Greg, I think in the 2018 season. And it just kind of became a thing. And then we went all the way up to draft time of 2019 and then Buffalo rumblings approached us and here we are. And then Nick retired from the space and I just kind of said, well, I, I'm already here. Um, I, I guess I'll just keep going. And so every, every year I'm like, no, no, this is this is the end, right? This is the end. But yet here I go. I'm still here. So that's that's uh, the three different levels of enthusiasm as it now, relates to Buffalo Bills podcasting. Now, sticking with you, Bruce, now you do the Bruce exclusive. That's solo. You do that solo and that drops every Thursday. Mm. And then on Friday nights, you do Food for Thought with Nate Gary. And that's live on YouTube on Friday nights, two completely different types of shows. Now you're obviously well-versed whether you're doing something solo or, you know, whether you're, you have a co-host each week. Um, do you prefer doing one over the other? Yes. I prefer doing the Bruce exclusive. 
I prefer doing the boost exclusive because I'm a control enthusiast. Mm-hmm. Not a control freak, mind you. Not ever, not control freak. I'm a control enthusiast. I enjoy the control. And anytime you have a secondary party, you are giving up a little bit of the control in exchange for getting a little bit of help, of leverage, right? And there's pluses and negatives to that. And one of the reasons why I sought out a co-host for a secondary show was because two episodes of the Bruce exclusive back to back every week was getting to the point where I, it was, it was becoming difficult for me to manage it. Sure. And so I reached out to Nate and I was like, Hey Nate, I'm thinking about trying to pursue a co-host for a, a secondary show. You know, you've been in the space, you know, my show, you know, what do you think? And he goes, what about me? And I said, Oh, oh well, okay. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's do that. So again, I found myself just sort of stumbling into this. And the thing that I really enjoy about food for thought is the fact that I have Nate and Nate is used to doing solo, uh, radio spots on Saturday morning, right? He's a solo radio show. He fills in all the time in WGR sports talk. Saturday is kind of his baby. And so because of that, I don't ever walk into food for thought feeling unprepared ever, because if something were to happen, I can just say something about mayonnaise and just <laughs> let Nate just go. And I'll, and I'm okay. And he'll just, go too. I, I'll just sit back. I'll take a swig of my drink and I'll be like, all right, I'm, I'm good for the next five or 10 minutes and we're fine. And he can talk about the evils of mayonnaise. And so <laughs> I do prefer to do the Bruce exclusive because I am a control enthusiast and I make no abs, absolutely no bones about this. It's the reason why it's been a solo show. It's the reason why I very, very, very rarely have guests. It's because I just, I want it specifically done. I actually will stop. If I mispronounce a word, I will stop. I will cut it. I will go back and I will fix it. And I can't do it when it's live. Right. And I can't do it as much if I have another person with me. And so the, the perfectionist and the, the, the control enthusiast in me two years ago, I, I still remember recording a podcast where I mistakenly referred to Raheem Morris as the defensive coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons. And at the time he wasn't. And I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm still mad about that. It's, it's been two years. I'm still mad. In fact, I just think now, I think I actually just mistakenly said the mistake. I think I said he was the defensive coordinator for the Bucks or something. It was actually for the Falcons, but see, I'm still mad now. I'm so mad about the mistake that I'm now screwing up the mistake that about the mistake. And so <laughs> I think that it requires a certain level of, um, a breadth of ability that I'm, I just don't have, you know, I, I'm a much more narrowly able person. I have a very narrow skill set, and because of that, uh, there are certain things that I'm just better in my lane, and that's one of them. Yeah, for sure. Now, Joe, you're locked on bills, at least anyway. That's mainly solo, but you have guests on from time to time, including Greg and Bruce, mm-hmm. you know, periodically on the show. Do you prefer to do your show solo, and then you just like to sprinkle in some guests to kind of change it up? Do you prefer being in that driver's seat of a solo show? And I know you do fine, and you have good chemistry with your guests as well, but it's your preference doing something solo? million percent. I, I enjoyed the solo experience for a lot of the reasons Bruce detailed where I like having the control. I like knowing when I'm going to record every day. I like knowing exactly what I'm going to talk about. I like my rhythm and I've worked really hard um, over the last several years to structure my days in, in a way that works for me and works for my family and, and achieves everything that I want to get done in a day. And when you have to coordinate with another human being and all the dynamics of their life sure. uh, to agree on a, a time to record it gets pretty challenging. And I like that flexibility of just being able to do it when it makes sense for me and establish that consistency. And I do, I mean, I, I like, 
I like it being my portfolio of thoughts on the team. Now, I like to bring in people like Greg and Bruce uh, to expand on certain topics. And there's things that I, I think both of those guys do a better job than than me at. And I like to bring them in for their specific expertise on topics to enhance the listener experience. But at the end of the day, I, I enjoy episodes where I bring in a guest. But I, I still think 90 plus percent of the time, I I want it to just be me talking. And I don't know that I don't I don't think that's egotistical. I just like that control. I like it being my true portfolio. And I, I don't want to coordinate schedules with other people. I, I just don't. It's 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 hard, right? Like we've all done it. It's difficult. Imagine doing that every day. I I, yeah. I I'm I'm not I'm not interested in that. So to I like your doing point, it you, know, you bring up a great point. You know, this my podcast is primarily having a different guest on every Tuesday. So I kind of go through that. Without naming names, I'll say that I, I'm trying to set up a, a live taping and it's been ongoing for a couple of weeks where there's two guests and being able to have all three of us available at the same time frame on that same night has, has, has been a challenge. Now, Greg, you do shows with various people from Cover One, but obviously primarily um, you do shows with Aaron Quinn. You guys, now look, you know, some people want to be in complete control solo and some people might say, well, it's easier to have a guest, but I don't buy that shit because I, I you got to have good chemistry. That's first and foremost. And that's what I love about you and Aaron and why I watch every single week is because I think you guys have really good chemistry. I think you guys feed off each other excellently. So talk about like the chemistry and the importance. If you're going to do a show with somebody that how important that chemistry is, where you kind of know what each other, you know, where you're going. It's really hard to fabricate or to right you know, to force, um, don't let Aaron hear this, but I mean, he's, he's close to my best friend. Like we, we talk every day. We yeah. we're together, you know, texting back and forth, random stuff about our kids, like all the time and building that over time has created that kind of relationship where it's the, you know, the, the cheesy, you know, they finish each other's sentences kind of thing. Like it's real. Like it, when you know someone well, and I know, what things he's going to be enthusiastic or excited about. He knows what things I'm going to nerd out about and go back and forth. Then you can very naturally and easily set each other up because I know what things he's excited about or cares about or what things he'll nitpick about or want to go down a rabbit hole on. And some of that has to be natural. Some of it just has to be two people that get along well and have sure. a, a reasonable chemistry together. Not, I mean, honestly, not that different than dating. Like there could be two nice people that just don't click and it just doesn't work out. So you have to have like some genuine chemistry from that standpoint. And then some of it comes over time that both of us are comfortable, um, you know, speaking off the top of our heads, you know, as needed, but we both have built the structure around how we watch a game, how we take notes during the game, what things we can do to then turn around and go live minutes after the, the clock ends. Um, that's taken practice. That's not something that's come all at once. So, uh, as Joe and, and Bruce politely called themselves control enthusiasts. Um, I like the, I perform well under the tension of the live environment. I like having that, obligation not to have the safety net, not to have the opportunity to go back. And luckily it's worked out fairly well. I'm sure I've had many, you know, miss misstatements and, and faux positive I've missed and just not been aware of, but it's forced me to be on my toes and to build that. And now after, 
you know, we're coming on four full years of doing this now built enough of a skill set, feeling comfortable in that role. And uh, Aaron had a brief moment where he stepped away from the show and I did run solo for um, yeah. one full off season mm-hmm. there. And uh, it was miserable. It was, I hated it. I, <laughs> you know, I, I had control over what the, the topics were and, and everything that I did and when I recorded. And it just, I, I, I can tell you genuinely, I would not have continued long-term. I either would have found another co-host or would have stepped away myself in that I need that engagement and interaction. And that's the, the part that I derive joy from is that engagement and figuring out how to respond quickly on what he says and being able to jump in and setting someone up. I enjoy that part of the interaction and, and would need that long-term to stay engaged. Yeah, me too. And you know, Joe and Bruce do such a good job solo. (laughs) Not only, you know, do I not like doing, I'm also garbage. I've tried to do a handful of solo episodes and it's just complete garbage. And I quickly understand. I'm like, people tune into this podcast because they want to hear me have conversations with other people. They don't want to hear me for freaking 45 minutes. I don't know how Joe, Joe and Bruce do that. It seems so effortlessly. And, and, and I suspect there's a lot of people, a lot of podcasters who might be listening or watching this, or maybe people who are going to, you know, are thinking about doing a podcast when it comes to your various shows, do you guys, what's your show prep like? Like, do you take a lot of notes? Is it a lot of written out stuff? Do you have paragraphs written? Is it just bullet points? And then you kind of let it fly. Um, like, what's your show prep like? Uh, yeah, my my show outlines are pretty in-depth. There's, uh, obviously, I, I structure my shows pretty much the same every day where I have three different segments. And mm-hmm. within that, I have an outline for each segment. Now, I don't sit there and write word for word what I want to say, but... I do have very important information that's going to keep me in the flow of the conversation that I envision when I decided that this would be the topic for that day. So it's a pretty robust outline, which is interesting compared to, you know, I do another daily podcast, Draft Dudes, where I have a producer for that show and I have a co-host. My notes for that might be four bullet points for the entire thing, Yeah, where I might have 10 bullet points per segment for Locked On Bills. And so I, I get I get the experience of both sides of things. And I will say, draft dudes with those two other guys, it's really, really easy. It, it, it's it's not hard for me to do that one. I put a lot more time into Locked On Bills because I have to, but you know, it's it's interesting that despite the greater effort for Locked On Bills, it's it's the one that um, I, I guess I can say that out loud, that I enjoy doing the most because I do have the control. And also, I, I think at the root of why I do this, it's my love for the Buffalo Bills. That That's why I do the NFL draft. The Bills stunk for so long. I had to know who the players were going to be. I had to know every single one of them. That's the fuel. So yeah. at the core, at the core of the reason I'm in football media is the Buffalo Bills. And so having my toe in that water is really made it very, very fulfilling. Now, what about you, Greg? Because you, during the season anyway, you have at least two shows per week. One of them to your point you, you spoke about earlier, it's pretty much a live show. You're going on shortly after the game live, where obviously you don't have a lot of time after the game to really prepare with notes. So you're kind of doing stuff in game. And then you and Aaron also have a show later in the week, which kind of previews the upcoming game and stuff where obviously you have more time to take notes. So what, like what's your general pre-show prep like? So both of them have very similar things that I've built up over my career in, in how I handle public speaking. I'm very much, I, I'll, I'll compliment Joe Joe is one of the few people I've engaged with or interacted with who is able to recite things and not have it come off 
as blatantly obvious that he's reading. Robotic, um, right. But yet most people, it's really easy to notice when they're reading things. Joe, you, you do that really well, especially on your live reads and things like that. Um, but also in, in more your in-depth things, you do it really naturally. And that doesn't come natural to a lot of people. Um, I am very noticeable. And just I have a lot of specific mannerisms in the way I speak and rhythms to the way I speak. And you can tell when I'm reading and, and doing it. So I, I consciously train myself not to. I do the bullet point idea and I won't, I'll usually do one word that triggers me to the topic, sometimes two or three words if it's something specific. Um, but I try to force myself to have one trigger word and I'll do the prep of what I do. So I know what that trigger word means in my mind of what that phrasing is going to be. And I actually do a, I, I do a lot of mental exercises, like when I'm out on my walks and in a shower and stuff like that, no different than preparing for a presentation. I will go through it in my mind of what I'm going to say. So it's not necessarily the first time that I've done it, but I'll have that built up and it's okay. That's going to be my keyword for that. And okay, I like that one, but I'll, I'll say this for that. Um, and then I'll have some things queued up, you know, whether it's after the game, I'll always have the box score, the play-by-play, the different pieces that I know I'm going to go through that are going to be some uh, elements, you know, Aaron and I will track the um, toxic differential and some of the big plays we want to speak to, what I thought the drive of the game was. Each of those pieces I'll have notes on. On the preview show, we'll have specific things that we break down. Aaron and I beforehand always kind of flip back and forth who's going to do offense, who's going to do defense. We'll dive through a couple of the things in the matchups. I'll have a couple of notes there, but oftentimes my notes will be on my phone, which I can pull up on my computer in the, you know, Apple Notes app, and it will be six bullet points and maybe out of the six bullet points, 10 total words. And that will be my notes for the show because I want to force myself not to recite things because I know if it's there, I can't help myself and I'll read it. Now, what about you, Bruce? You are, um, you're really good at coming up with among a lot of things, but really good, unique topics, like things that aren't discussed as much. Like your show, I feel like when we listen, at least to the Bruce Exclusive, especially, the, you're talking about stuff that isn't talked about much anywhere else. Like what's your show prep look like? For me, uh, there's two fundamental things that I consistently do when I'm prepping for the show. The first one is I prep my show very much like a, a, a pastor would prep a sermon. There are bullet points there's usually some semblance of an opener that is some sort of object lesson or a metaphor that ties in with what we're going to talk about then. In addition, there's a, a speech writing principle that I learned a long time ago that I consistently utilize in my podcasting. And that is there's three parts of a speech. Tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them what you want to tell them and tell them what you told them. And so the, you know, you open with telling them what you're going to tell them. And then you get through the, the meat of your entire, you know, the sandwich, if you will, the meat of the discussion. And then at the very end, you recap. And so it helps people remember. It helps the material stick to people. Um, and it also helps when you're not overly scripting the stuff in between because it allows your mind to wander while you're talking. And sometimes that's a good thing because you know, oftentimes people wonder why their best ideas come to them in the shower, and it's because you allow your mind to wander. And so sometimes, much like Michael Scott, I'll start, start a sentence and not entirely know where I'm going. I just kind of hope that I catch up at some point. And so I'll just start talking, and the brain will just be at least 15 or 20 words ahead of the mouth. And I'm just like, you know what? Well, it'll catch up there. I'll get there. And sometimes it comes off great, and sometimes it comes off terribly. But sometimes I'll be struck with moments of genius that are not part of, not part of the outline. And I'll get done and I'll go, wow, 
I didn't come up with that when I was focused on coming up with something smart. I came up with that when I was rambling incoherently about the bullet point that was one of the four D's that I put in, you know, four D's, three C's, whatever it is, right? And so those are the two principles that I utilize. I utilize the idea that number one, you, you, you know, the sandwich, you tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them what you told them, what you want to tell them, and then tell them what you told them. And then also the idea that it's structured very similarly to a, like a preacher. And so those things are the reason why I'm able to talk about strange crap and somehow get away with it. And they, they consistently listen. You know, we did an entire show on the difference between a skill and a trait. That's it's the minutia. I managed to take that nonsense and draw it into a 30 minute podcast. And I loved it. It's one of my favorite episodes of the Bruce exclusive and the minutia that Greg and I constantly are talking about in DMS, right? How, how, how words matter, right? And we should use by far our word. most common debate point <laughs> right? is that words matter. And so I don't know if Greg's, I never found anybody who gets tied up in the minutia the way I do, but you know, the English language is rich with a lot of different words that people have a tendency to use interchangeably because we get lazy when it comes to language and we never actually sit down and think, okay, bet on traits. Okay. That's a phrase you hear all the time in the draft. We just say it out loud. We say it all the time and we've never actually sought that sat down and said, okay, let's define what trade is. Let's just bet on it. Okay. Well, what exactly is it that we're betting on? We're not going to, we're not going to talk about it. And so because of my obsession with the minutia and because of the delivery structure, that's what ends up looking like the Bruce exclusive. And so sometimes it's a, it's a matter of prep. Sometimes it's a matter of just being hardwired in a weird way, which I am, and I'm, I'm, I'm completely fine with that. And then part of it is allowing your mind to just kind of wander as you start talking with these bullet points and just see what comes out. When it comes to drawing, do you guys find yourself drawing a little bit from other podcasts that you enjoy, whether it's Bill's content stuff, whether it's general sports or, or even non-sports? And what I mean, I want to make sure I'm, I'm clear with this. It's like if you're going to compare it to music, I'm not saying a musician is taking other art, you know, other people's music and ripping them off, but you draw influences. We always hear about musicians who are influenced by other musicians. Like I draw to some extent from all you guys, you know, like for an example, I, th I think Bruce is uh, obviously really smart. I think you're really good with your voice. Um, you're like a singer who can hit all the notes. You never sound monotonous to me. Greg has high energy. Every time the tape's rolling or he's on camera, uh, you can feel that energy, that positive vibes. Uh, Joe, you're like a machine, man. It's just absolutely consistent. You have a classic radio voice that I love. I feel like you could be relevant in 2022. I feel like you would be relevant if this was 40 years ago on old school radio as well. You know what I mean? So kind of, you kind of draw a little bit. Do you find yourselves, again, it doesn't even necessarily have to be bills or even sports, but you listen to other stuff and you pick up some stuff and you learn from others as well. I think the biggest thing that I draw from podcasts that I listen to is show concept ideas where, you know, I think, I think, I think everybody, no matter what you're doing, you should always be trying to learn. And, mm -hmm. and I use podcasts as an opportunity for me to learn. And if I don't learn anything from your podcast, probably not going to keep listening to it. And I continue to listen to podcasts where I am challenged. My thoughts are challenged. My ideas are challenged. And from that, I gain a lot of perspective for myself, but I also gain topics and one of the biggest conversations that I have with people about lockdown bills is how do you do it every single day? You know, even now, right? It's June, July, it doesn't matter. I do it every single day. 
And I always throw in a joke about how the Bible says that out of the abundance of heart, the mouth speaks. But the reality is the reason I'm able to do it is because I do do it, right? I have to do it. You guys don't have to do it every single day. If you did, you would be dialed in and you'd be thinking all the time about what you're going to talk about on the podcast that you have to do in March and in September and in February and in July. Um, and so I, I continue to build out show concepts, but going back to the root of your question is, you know, do I, what do I glean? What do I take away from listening to other podcasts? I draw inspiration for topics because I listen to podcasts where my thinking is challenged and I learn things. And that's why I enjoy everyone here's podcasts and several others, because it helps prompt and spark ideas and helps me refine my own thoughts about the team. And, and if it was just me in a vacuum and just dumping my thoughts, you know, I don't think it would be as comprehensive as I would want it to be. What about you, Greg? So I think very similarly, one of the biggest um, frustrations I have and one of the biggest, I think, mistakes uh, a lot of people make is a lack of comfort level referencing other people's work when you hear things. Um, some do it out of ego. Uh, some do it out of just wanting it to come off as though it's their idea. And I think that people have struggled with the idea that it's perfectly reasonable to reference that somebody else talked about something and then here's my take on it. Here's what it made me think of. Here's how it fit into or reinforced or challenged this thing that I talked about where, Hey, I thought this was the best path. And then I actually heard Andrew Brandt brought up this point about how you could uh, structure something this way. And I hadn't really thought about it that way. And now that I got thinking, now I was able to come up with this idea on this proposal that I made for this contract. And I, one thing I'm, I think that it takes a, a level of security or, or, or self-confidence that you can realize referencing someone else's work doesn't take away from what you're bringing to the discussion, what you're bringing to that topic. And I wish more people, especially some newer up and coming people who are, who are really trying to establish themselves, I think see that as a, a crutch or as a weakness in what they do. And I would want to encourage them that it's not only okay, it's a good thing. And it shows that you're pulling in different ideas and things like that. And of course, don't don't parrot something and not add anything to the discussion just to, to pass it off. Um, but that idea of listening to other people and, and similar to the way Joe framed it, that's the thing that I'm looking for is just ideas on how people approach things um, at, you know, angles that I hadn't really thought of and that, Oh yeah, I guess that is a good, good way to think of it or things that I see upsetting me. What I do, like I feel myself getting worked up and wanting to yell back at the person um, that will trigger something to bring up in the show. Like, all right, well, I better bring this up because that made me want to react like that um so that I'll, I'll tuck away little nuggets like that and i i listen to a lot of because i spend so much time just surrounded by our bubble of bill's world um i try i'm still a football nerd so i don't listen to a ton outside of there but it's mostly national shows and and outside shows just to be able to pull in other ideas and i do that to kind of keep up because i spend so much time on the bills that it's it's easy to to lose that um so i i have uh, a, a different rotation that I go through to try to pick up and, and keep up with people that I'm close with and want to keep up with, with their shows. And then a mix of national, but I I'm more pulling in ideas and soliciting my reaction to p pick on things of, Oh, well that really work got me worked up. So I better find a way to uh, pull in something along those lines and then try to reference where it came from to credit the idea. What about you, Bruce? 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The thing that I try to grab and get inspiration from from other podcasters and other pieces of, of media is is I'm trying to reinforce my weaknesses. So uh, when I found out I was going to be doing a solo show, when Nick was going to be retiring, I said, well, I have got a lot to learn. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I, uh, I didn't want to do this, and now he's leaving me alone. So here I am. Um, I'm going to have to learn how to present myself in a better way suited for solo podcasting because the method by which the rhythm, the syntax, the vernacular, all that stuff changes when you're solo because you can't rely on the bouncing of the rhythm off somebody else. There is no nice little tie. We all do this thing when you start to understand that you say a thing, then I say a thing, then you say a thing, then I say a thing. And we all do this thing at the end of our discussion when we're, when we're okay, we're, we're wrapping up now. We do this thing with our voice where we go and that da, 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 da. And then the other person just intrinsically knows, okay, now it's time for me to talk, right? Well, you can't do that if you're solo. You can't do that if there's somebody else there who's not going to bail you out. You have to be very, very cognizant of the spaces between your words. You have to be very cognizant of the mannerisms that you're giving off. You have to be very cognizant of the inflections in your voice going up and down and up and down. Because let's be honest, if you can be monotonous, you can still be bailed out. Because you have somebody else who's going to provide a different tone, a different tenor, a different pace. But if it's just solo, it's just you, buddy. That's just it. All the visual and audio interest, not visual for me because I'm just a logo floating in the ether, but all the audio interest has to come from one guy. So for me, when I found out I was going to be doing, doing a solo show, I went back and I watched hours upon hours upon hours of Colin Cowherd. Like just hours upon hours of Colin Coward. Not because I'm particularly attracted to his takes, but because he'd been doing three hours solo for years and years and years and years and years. Then I went back and looked up some of the most famous YouTube pastors, people who preach for 45 minutes, an hour at a time. And I started taking notes on tenor and pitch 
And I said, okay, I need to, I, the Bruce voice needs to sound like this. And if I'm going to do this, it's got to be look like this. And it's got to sound like this because this is completely unnatural for me. None of this is natural gift at all. None of it. It's all fake and designed, right? Because I needed to draw inspiration from these people who were better than me. They're so much better than me. And so I went out to people who were better than me and said, I'm going to steal little pieces of all of you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end up looking like Deadpool from the end of X-Men Origins Wolverine, that horrible abomination of all these different superpowers. And you're like, that's disgusting. What, what kind of writer came up with this? Bruce did. Bruce came up with this. And so when I drew inspiration, it was specifically about addressing my flaws. That's what I drew inspiration from. And Joe was one of them, and Greg was one of them, and so many other people were one of them. I don't actually listen to very much Bill's content because I'm too busy trying to reinforce the flaws. I listen to my own show a ton, and I go and I take notes, and I go, okay, that was stupid. Don't do that. And then I'll compare my notes this week to my notes last week and go, I'm still doing that. I'm still doing that thing. Why am I still doing that thing? And then I'm going to go find somebody who doesn't do that thing and find out how they do it better, and then I'm going to steal it. And I'm not going to give him credit at all unless Pat asked me the question right now. So for me, inspiration is about trying to be the best version of the podcaster I can be by seeking out and assimilating traits from people who do it better than me. How do you guys all feel about, uh, I don't want to say burnout, but let's call it podcasting fatigue. And I'm sure to some extent you all get it. It's a, uh, Maybe it's that time of year, just certain things going on in your life where it gets harder to get motivated for at least for small stretches anyway, to want to do content. Like sometimes I'm sure you guys wake up and you're really excited to do the next show, but sometimes just because of life or again, maybe you're just a little bit fatigued from doing it. Do you ever find yourself where it's like, this, you know, I'm not really into it today. Now, you know, you got to put on a good show and once that, cameras rolling or you know the the, the record buttons it you got to bring that energy and everything but do you do you ever struggle with getting that motivation you suffer from fatigue at any point so uh, i'll jump in on this one because your uh very kind compliment to me is something that's very blind to me when you talked about energy and things like that and i joke because if you can ask my wife my college roommates most of my friends growing up i am obnoxiously optimistic all the time. Like I, I, that's how I'm wired. That's just how I run. I wake up and I'm ready to go 15 seconds after I wake up. That's just how I operate. Um, I, this is the amount of energy that I conduct my life with like all the time. That's just how I interact with everything all the time. Um, so I, I'm, I'm blessed and fortunate that way that just the way that I'm wired and how my, my, you know, composition is put together, but that's, a huge blessing and that I'm normally pretty excited to be able to have the chance to do a show and, and to be able to go through and do things. And, um, part of it is that prep in finding topics that I think will be fun and interesting to talk about, uh, and being able to go through those and then leaning into that, um, approach to life that I think is an important way to, I think it's how everyone should approach every day is finding things to be excited and positive about. And, uh, my, my father is my, uh, absolute kind of, lesson from that my my dad is more excited about the most random little things and finds great joy in so many different things that um that's been a huge lesson for me throughout my life now what about you bruce you do you do 
two shows a week, including a Friday night. And you're also involved in a lot of the behind the scenes stuff with rumblings as well. Do you find yourself from time to time struggling with whether it's obviously time to be able to do it is one issue, but just the general fatigue that I, I at least I think we all get from uh, at some point, a little bit, at least. Yeah. Counterpoint to Greg, wake up and don't feel optimistic about anything ever. That's 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 my counter offer, right? That, that that's the best, it's the best I can do. I'm sorry. The best fear I fear and anxiety of right? failure driving in all my things. I'm, absolutely. So, um, I don't usually feel good about any podcast before I do them. I usually feel good after they're over if I feel like I did a good job. There are certain podcasts where when I'm done with it, I will I'll get done, I'll take a deep breath, and I'll walk into the other room, and my wife will look at me and go, "How did it go?" And I'll say. It went okay today. And she goes, oh, it must have been really good then because it went okay today is about as good as it's going to get. Like that, that, that's as high as a compliment as you're going to get from me about my own work. Because, you know, I felt, I felt okay about that one. Yeah, I felt, felt, I felt okay about that one. So that's when I start to feel good. I don't ever feel good beforehand. Um, the imposter syndrome is a real thing. And I don't ever feel good beforehand. Even No matter how well I'm prepped, I still don't feel good beforehand. But afterwards, when it's all over, that's the good moment for me. After it's done, after it's uploaded, after it's scheduled, and I go, yeah, yeah, I, I think that one was okay. I, I think I communicated that well. I feel like I had I had good energy. I'm happy when it's over, not just because it's over. I'm happy with the product when the product meets my expectations. When I feel like the product that I'm delivering to the people who count on me, I mean, thousands of people wake up on a Thursday and go, yeah, I'll listen to the Bruce exclusive. It's extremely serious to me. Like, I take that very, very seriously. I don't take myself very seriously, but I take the work very, very seriously. And so when I walk away from a podcast and I go, you know what? I think they're going to like that. I think I did my job today. I feel like I delivered the product that they expect of me. I feel like I was able to challenge, like Joe was talking about earlier. I feel like I was able to challenge something. I feel like I was I was well-spoken. I feel like I communicated the issue clearly. I feel like I had a good conclusion. I feel like my logic was sound. I go back and listen to it the next morning, just hoping, crossing my fingers, hoping that it sounds as good back as I thought it did. And then when it does, I'll be done and I'll be like, okay, I'm, it's Thursday midday. I feel okay. And so that's the way that I avoid burnout is I'm just perpetually burnt out. I'm always burnt out ahead of time, but it's after it's that gratification of knowing that I did a good job. That's the thing that gets me to the next one because I'm never excited beforehand. I'm only ever excited afterwards. Now, Joe, again, you do this full time and it's not just locked on bills. That's only part of what you do. And you spoke about feeling blessed that, you know, you're able to do this for a living. This is what you've wanted to do. So I know that that part of it is exciting, but still, there's got to be at least some days where you wake up and be like, man, this is really going to be a grind today. I, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to sound super corny here, but I don't relate with that at all, Pat. Uh, I love it, man. Um, I got something to lose. I think that's that's uh, that's something that sticks with me where I, sure. I've worked jobs that I did not like, I did not want to do, and all I ever wanted to do was this. And to be in this spot, um, I don't even let those thoughts creep in. Uh, I have great uh, excitement every day to get to do this. I can't believe that I get to do this. Um and so if there was ever a moment where I felt like my energy was lacking or I didn't want to do it, I just very quickly think to myself, well, I don't want to go back to work ever again. And I like doing this and, and I can quickly get over that. So 
No, <laughs> I love it, man. I really, really do. And I, I hope that people can sense that uh, through uh, consuming the content. Oh, absolutely. They do. And look, we're all Bills fans to varying various degrees for sure. I try to act like I'm not when, it's, as I'm saying this with a Buffalo Bills hat on, if you're watching this on the video side, I like to listen to a show where, and, and I think you guys are all excellent at this, where I, I feel like the commentary is mostly objective. It's okay to be a fan podcast. Again, we all are a fan podcast to some extent, but I want some objectivity in the commentary, not just straight all the time homerism or or nonstop cheerleading. Like, for example, when the Bills go on, they lose to Jacksonville and, and score six points. I want to hear some criticism because there's plenty uh, to be had. I just I can't take those podcasts seriously. That's just me personally. Do you kind of feel like the same way? Again, you're able to separate being a Bills fan, but at times – at least to some extent, without being overly critical, you, you just you got to drop the hammer, right? I, I think so. And I, here's the thing is I don't hide from being a Bills fan. I Look at me. I, I That's not something that concerns me at all. And sure. I, I, I feel like I am extremely objective about the team. I mean, I, I how many times last year did I call the Buffalo Bills an entitled football team? Yeah. How many times have I said Sean McDermott failed the Buffalo Bills in the divisional round playoff against uh, the Kansas City Chiefs? Like, I've I've said those things. I've been very direct about my comments about certain players and it, people let me know about it but I don't know I, I feel like with everything that I do I, I I can't lie like I'm just I think I'm very what you see is what you get I can't I can't be anything other than the way I feel and I I, I try to be authentic and honest about it and, and fortunately this team's really good it's a really good football team there's a yeah. lot of great things to say about it yeah and, and I and I wonder a lot I and and Greg and, 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 and Bruce, we've had conversations about the drought teams. We've diff done different episodes together. I've talked about Rex Ryan. I couldn't I don't I don't know that I would be successful podcasting about mm. the drought teams. Like I think I came in at the right time. And, and we'll see, we'll see where this thing goes in, in however long, you know, 10 years from now, what's going on with this team. You know, it's not always like we're living in the the peak of Bill's fandom since the early nineties. Like, I don't know what that's going to look like in 10 years, but uh, this is a good football team. So there is a lot to say, but I don't hide from being a fan. I embrace it, but I also feel like I, I have the ability to not have thick fan goggles on and be objective about this team. Do you feel the same way, Greg? You could be a bills fan. You and Aaron clearly are, but at the same time, like I said, the ability to be uh, critical when necessary and speak objectively, is that something that you feel like that's important? When you're when you're either doing or consuming Bill's content, I, I think it would run hollow very quickly if you're never able to be objective. Eventually, people will simply see through what you're saying, and it will ring hollow in that. Oh, well, of course you are. You find a way to excuse everything that they do. You find a reason to um, prop up every decision that's made. You never are critical of any decisions. You never have anyone that you call out or, or go about. And of course, because of my natural, you know, bias in the fact that I'm a fan, I'm never going to be 50, 50. I'm never going to probably have half the things I'm critical of and half the things I'm supportive of. I probably am going to find more things that I agree with, especially now with the current leadership and decision makers and players, it's a lot easier to be supportive of decisions when most of the decisions are good ones. Um, but if you can, if you never find question in what's going on, then you're simply lying to yourself. If, if you're, you know, and other people are seeing that as well and they know 
that you're simply a homer and always have fan fan glasses on. Now, I get excited when good things happen, and that's sure. fun as well. But if you can never, you know, share your frustration and help people commiserate and grieve after a tough loss because you're going to be critical and call out the things that happened, um, but point to areas that you need to focus on. And then during great games, point to all the reasons to be excited, but hey, we got to be careful with this. And this is kind of swept under the rug because we didn't, you know, because of all the other good things that happened, we got to be careful with that. Um, If you're not able to bring some of that balance, they'll just go somewhere else where they can find a more informative, uh, you know, show to listen to because they don't feel like they're taking anything away. If they just wanted everybody to cheer and clap, they'll just go to the water cooler the next day and, and talk to people that are just simply either one side or the other. We all have those friends that always find something to complain about no matter what, or the fans that are always going to prop up everything that happens no matter what. There's a reason that those have a limited shelf life. What about you, Bruce? Whatever it is that you're going to be, just be that thing. So listen, if you want to be a cheerleader, that's fine. Be a cheerleader. Like, And just understand that everyone else knows what you are. So there's a level of self-awareness that is involved in podcasting that is such an incredibly important trait. Um, There's a gap in communication. You know, whenever you take any sort of social psychology class, they'll tell you that there's always a gap between what you think you said, what you said, what they think they heard, and what they actually heard. And so there's multiple steps involved from the time a thought originates in your head to the time it is consumed and interpreted by the person you're talking to. And the best way you can possibly be clear in communication is to understand and taste your words before they come out of their mouth and also have a certain semblance of self-awareness. If you want to be a cheerleader, just be a cheerleader. Just do that thing and understand that that's what you are and self-identify as such. But I've said before, I'll say it again, I am much more of a football fan than I am a Bills fan. If the Bills cease to exist tomorrow, I would just pick another team randomly out of a hat because that's basically how I picked the Bills to begin with, and I would just go from there. That, that That's okay. Like that, That's okay. And so sometimes there are situations where I have to understand that about myself and go, listen, I don't know why you're so mad. Like, I, I don't get it. And I have to just tell people, I don't understand. I'm not like that. And that's okay. And that's fine. Just be that. Don't try and pretend like you're anything else. And so sometimes... There's going to be times when I'm going to come off specifically cold to the particular um, musings or emotional pulse of the individuals that I'm talking to. But they know me now, and they know that they can help me through that, and that if I can reach out to other people and go, okay, now help me this. I cannot tell you the amount of times I have DM'd one of the people who is on this show with me right now and go, excuse me, I need a ruling on this. I need a ruling, please. Can am, I, am I understanding this correctly? Am I interpreting these human things correctly? There's human things going on, and I don't think I understand them. Will you please help me? Right? That's a real thing because I know who I am, and that's okay, and that's all right. And so, thankfully, the listeners understand that too because I've been honest about who I am. They know who I am. And so they come to the table with me together, understanding exactly who I am, flaws and all. And they come and they say, okay, you know what? Bruce is going to be a weirdo because that's the way Bruce is. Like, I get it. Like, we understand this. And because I'm because I'm able to be honest with them, there's a level of connection that I can have with my, with my viewers because I didn't build this wall between me and them. I didn't constantly spout off cheerleading nonsense and then try and pretend like I'm not. I didn't say Dawson Knox is the best tight end in football, right? 
Deion Dawkins is the best left tackle in football and then try and say simultaneously, no, no, I'm an objective observer. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, I didn't do those things. And so because I, I know who I am and because I'm trying really hard to be honest with people, I can just accept that. So there's a level of self-awareness and there's a level of just being who you are and that's okay when it comes to that. And I think that the friction that comes from trying to say that you're one thing, but acting a different way, but not really realizing you're acting that way, that friction is picked up by the listener. They know when you're not being genuine with them. They know when you're lying and they will catch you on your crap and they will catch you on your hypocrisy and they will point it out to you. And you know what? Good for them. Good for them. It's yeah. happened to me. I have had someone go, hey, you said this on this pod, but then you said that on this pod. And I said, okay, well, let's examine that. Let's talk about that. I might bring it up next show because it's important. Have my mind been changed? Did I, I previously said Zach Moss was RB1. That didn't work out very well for me, right? So I had all these reasons why I thought that was the case at the time and I was wrong and I moved on. Now, that's the, the friction that you're able to kind of pull down, right? You don't have that barrier between you and the audience. You're not building this wall. You're not creating this friction because there's self-awareness and there's just understanding who you are and just being that. Yeah. Um, one thing that I want to point out, and this isn't a question for you guys. This is just a, a statement because again, I know there's some people listening who might be podcasters who want to get in. I, I think this is important. One of the many reasons why you three guys do as well as you do Besides, obviously, you know, talent, you got talent is always going to be first and foremost. I don't care how nice of a person you are. If you suck at it, people ain't going to listen. They might li listen to you once, but they ain't going to listen the second time. Is likability and relatability. And in today's world, and, and I've talked about this before, you know, there was a time where you had one radio station. You know, and this is no diss to anybody on w at WGR whatsoever or to any writer at the Buffalo News. But you had a newspaper and you had a radio station and a couple TV news stations, and you had Empire Sports Network, and that, and it was shoved down your throat, and if you loved them, awesome, and if you didn't, oh well, what are you going to do, you know? Now in today's world, there's just options galore. You know, there's so many good, there's a lot of good blogs out there, there's a lot of good podcasts, there's a lot of good vidcasts out there, so now more than ever, people have options, so that's why I think it's so important for people to uh, have some sense of, of likability and being able to relate. And that's one thing I think all three of you guys in various different ways excel at, especially on social media. I want to talk where we get out of here. We're going to get out of here in a couple of minutes. Life is like Trump sports always, you know, and you guys all do Buffalo Bills podcast content stuff and really well. Uh, you represent Buffalo, essentially. When something happens, like about a month or so ago, with the Jefferson Tops, that tragedy, uh, I personally felt a period of time where it just felt impossible for me to want to talk about sports. Ultimately, I did a podcast. It just, you know, it, it just really sinks you a, a little bit. Um, but you realize that it's what you got to do. People want to listen to uh, to your shows or watch your shows. Was it difficult to get back into the, the swing of things after something like that? I'll start with you, Bruce, because I know you had a, a podcast episode where you pretty much dedicated the second half of your episode that came after that to uh, what happened at Tops, which, by the way, that was, that was awesome. But just talk for a minute about the difficulty and sometimes when you put things that matter in life into perspective, how it can be difficult to to want to jump back in or just, you know, jump it back in altogether. I think one of the things that I have struggled with that I'm trying to learn to embrace is that there are people who have listened to my show for so many years who know me now, 
they, they know me on a personal level. Like the, 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 the voice is fake and the name is fake and the likeness is fake and all that stuff, but they know me. Like they know mm -hmm. the type of person I am. And so they care about me. And so when I was in the hospital, they sent me messages, right? Saying, hey, Bruce, you know, we hope you get better. And, you know, when I, I'm having, you know, when my wife got COVID, they were sending me messages of encouragement. And when my dog died, they sent me messages of encouragement. And so these people know me. And so there is a relationship there. And when you have a relationship with people, you want to talk to them about things that matter. And so, yeah, you want to talk to your friends at the bar about football, and you do. But the really close friends, the people you care about, you want to talk to them about their lives. You want to talk to them about their families. You want to talk to them about what's going on in the world. That's the difference between a guy you know and a friend. That's the difference. And yeah. so when they listened to my show, I wanted to make sure that I was talking about football, right? And I wanted to make sure that I carved off time for those specific people. I know for a fact there were people who turned off the podcast when I said, hey, we're going to talk about something that's not football related. We're going to talk about this. If you want to turn off the podcast, now's the time. Because they don't have that relationship with me. They don't want to hear me talk about that. Right. But there are some people who do. And you know what? I want to talk to them about it too. I do. I want to talk to them about it too. Yeah. And that's what separates the people you know from the people you're close to. And when the time comes for me to hang this up, and this is all over with, I am not going to be comfortable with the level of relationship disconnect that I will experience. Because as much as I'd like to tell you, I have my DMs turned off, right? As right, And I, 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 there's, a, there's a running joke that I'm a robot and I'm cantankerous and a grumpy old man and don't want to talk to anybody. And I'm antisocial. And that's true. All of that stuff's true. But despite all of that, Bill's Mafia and the people who listen to my show who are not Bill's fans have somehow managed to wrangle themselves and wriggle into my heart. And because of that, I have a connection with them. And when you have a connection with them, you want to talk about stuff that matters. And so when stuff like this happens, I'm okay with that because I'm not, I'm not talking to 30% of my group. I'm talking to that five to 10 to 15% of my group who have been with me for years and care about me as a human being and care about the stuff I have to say and want to share a moment with me, even if that moment is unpleasant because it's real. Yeah. Um, Joe, what about you? I mean, you're a Buffalonian at heart and you know, you have a job to do. And in your case, literally a job, but you, it's personal. You know, I'm sure it hurt you what happened and, and you took it personally. I struggled a lot with it, Pat. And, and I'll be completely candid with you. Bruce and I had some very long conversations about just kind of sorting it out um, because I felt like anything I would say felt really, really hollow to me. And, and I, I'm very grateful for the segment that Bruce did um, sharing thoughts. Uh, I, I connected a lot with his messaging and um, I found myself in a position where I thought the best thing I could do was to use my social media, which I have a you know, pretty good following mm -hmm. to amplify positive messaging, to amplify opportunities, to help the families and the victims and the community. And obviously doing my own part in, in assisting in those efforts. I, I felt like that was what I could do because I, I just, I couldn't put the words together that didn't feel hollow to me. And I, it was, it, it's, you can, I think you probably feel right now it's uncomfortable for me. I, I don't mm -hmm. know what to say. 
other than right. I'm heartbroken. It's disgusting. It's it's ter- like it's unfathomable to me. I went to the grocery store with my daughter earlier that day. That shouldn't be a life or death thing. Right. And like, so it was hard for me. Like I, I and it still is. I don't, I don't know what to say, Pat. I don't know what to say other than I just tried to use the mediums that I've been given to amplify positive messaging and opportunities to help victims and families. And, yeah. You know, I just, it's, it's hard. Completely understandable. Completely understandable. Greg, you're one of the more positive people that I know. And again, I know that you took this very personally and it was devastating to you. And again, eventually you and Aaron are are doing shows, but obviously that's in the back of your mind. It it had to have been hard. It still is hard too. Yeah. There's a, there's a line. I remember, um, the stretch I was doing solo shows was, uh, also during the, height of the period of riots that were going on and things Mm -hmm. like that. And there was a moment where it was really hard to know, do we go live tonight? Do I do the show? I I will tell you as a staff at cover one, we talked about that and we absolutely put it in the hands of the guys. We said, if you feel like you're comfortable and ready and you think people want a distraction from what's going on, then you go live and, and do your show. If you feel like it's not going to come across genuinely and that it's not the right time to do that, then let's bump it and, and take the time. Like it should be a personal decision. And I'll say sure. the, the four of us here, I think have a, um, I'll, I'll call it a luxury of the following that we've built, that we have opportunities where we can speak genuinely and candidly from our hearts in that. I don't think that we, any of us use it as a shtick. I don't think any of us um, have a personal agenda that we drive or that we pull our personal uh, politics or feelings into our messaging or things that we say, which gives us an opportunity that in the moments where we choose to step outside of our normal lane, which most, the vast majority of people follow us for our football takes and analysis, not just because they love us as people, um, that we have the luxury that on occasion, if we choose our moments right, we can do that and that we can take advantage of that support and belief from people to then share things, which I, I chose to in this moment and that I shared mostly venting my frustration in, in being an adult and having those same experiences Joe said of, you know, being at the grocery store with my daughter in the same way and not wanting to have that feeling of so many other things in my life. I have a solution for, I know how to fix this. I can do this and this and this, and it'll take care of that. And then we will have this and being in a situation, just feeling so helpless to know because of this, this, and this, I know this is going to be the outcome. I know it is in that not knowing a path forward from that and just a stream of consciousness I went through. And I, I got a lot of great feedback from that. And just, you know, similar to, to, to Bruce's show and, and Joe's comments on that of just feeling like, thank you that, that I'm, I feel the same helplessness. I feel that same feeling. And then trying to encourage people to say, okay, let's take this and try to find a way to be supportive. And, and I love, you know, Joe's wearing the shirt tonight, uh, for anyone who's listening, uh, Joe has the choose love shirt that the bills, uh, are selling and, and pers- uh, providing a hundred percent of the proceeds from to the, the impacted community. And 
I, I, I feel very blessed to be in that situation where on occasion we can step outside of our lane and share something passionate about us. And I think a lot of people feel, um, limited either in that they will, you know, offend or upset people that follow them, that people will stop listening to their show, that they will stop following them on social media. Um, and I respect that. I, I certainly can appreciate where that anxiety would come from. And I, I feel very, uh, happy that that hasn't been the case when I have on rare occasions chosen to step outside of that lane and, and to share my thoughts on, on a certain topic. And, and I feel like it's, I feel like it's an obligation in, in the roles that we're in to, to do that and to be helpful and supportive in, in those cases and to speak out against things we're uncomfortable uh, in. But I realize that that's an easy thing to say when I, I don't think I can't you know say that I could never <laughs> upset so many people it wouldn't ruin things, but that I can feel fairly confident that when I turn the mic back on the next time, there's still going to be people there. Um, but it's something that I, I feel very, uh, happy that I've been able to to get off my chest in the occasions where it's happened. Definitely. Um, one more question. I'm going to go around and I'll let you guys go. Um, what are a couple things? And I didn't ask you this the first time you're on. What are a few things that you guys like doing? Like, what are a couple of your hobbies away from the Bills, away from football, even a, away from podcasting? Things that you enjoy doing with your time outside with Bruce. So I'm sure is going to accuse me of being in the FBI right now and trying Let's to fish some information out of them. What are a couple <laughs> things? Now I know Bruce is a UFC guy, but aside from that, what are a couple things that you like enjoying doing with your free time? I'll go first because, uh, you know, FBI and stuff, you can just cut this out later. I'll be always talked about post-production. Um, I, you know, I, I, I like to go to the gym. You know, I, I just, I literally just got back from the park where I was playing basketball with my wife. I walked in the door. I thought I was going to have enough time to shower before the show, and I didn't. So I walked in the door, plopped myself down here, and here we go. So, um, you know, I like to be active. Um, I work a lot. So the, it's, it's a really difficult to have a lot of hobbies. In fact, the reason why I initially decided to sign up for this is because I didn't have any hobbies. I looked around one day and went, I do nothing for fun. <laughs> I, I, I do nothing for fun. And so I kind of reluctantly filled this this is the hobby, right? Because I don't have time for, you know, a lot of other hobbies. I do like to watch uh, mixed martial arts on Saturday evenings with my wife. And um, I enjoy food. I don't spend as much time in the kitchen as I probably should. Um, thankfully, I have a wife who's an absolute maven at that spot. So um, it, other things that I do, I, I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and keep close to my chest because FBI. But um, this is really... This is really the hobby, and I, you know when when the time comes for me to hang this up, then I'll then I'll fill this space with with some other hobby. I'm sure. All right, what about you, Greg? Uh, similar. I I don't. I, I'm a sports fanatic, so um, I have a high stress job during the day that involves a lot of travel and a lot of long hours. Uh, in different pieces or high periods of intensity, uh, not consistently long hours, but sometimes an incredible amount of hours, and. The then having, you know, I have a nine year old and a six year old, um, and a, and a wonderful wife that deserves far more attention and time that, that she gets. So, uh, this really is my like vacation. This is my time away that I get to myself. Um, you know, I, I like to make sure I don't miss soccer games and dance recitals and preschool graduations and pieces like that. And I, I try to build my schedule around those things from a work standpoint, which can also limit what time I have 
in that often the rest is taken up in show prep and sure. booking guests and uh, doing the other administrative financial things from a cover one standpoint. Um, that is my hobby. So I, I do fit in. Like tonight when we hang up, I'll go watch the NBA finals. Mm-hmm. Um, so whatever is going on, I usually I am watching. Say, I know you're a Cavs fan. I've worked right on Facebook <laughs> too. I see a lot of your pictures. Going yeah. So, uh, but that's a, a big one. I picked up on that because it was something that one, my wife's a basketball fan. She played basketball in high school um, and, and is a, a local uh, Cleveland uh, native. So it's the one thing that we genuinely root for the same team uh, in that same way. Neither of us care about baseball. Uh, so the Cavs are a thing. My kids happen to like it. So I was like, well, screw it. Uh, let's get into it. So I bought a season ticket package. We go to Cavs games. Uh, we go and have fun because it's a thing we can all do together. And it's something I happen to be passionate about that all of us genuinely like. Um, but that's been where I spend most of my time. Other than that, I am running to coach some new soccer game or taking my daughter to softball or whatever new thing she's trying out or my son to the many things he's into. So that usually takes up my time is watching him at the trampoline park or watching her play softball or soccer. (laughs) What about you, Joe? I might be the most boring person in the world. Um, I wake up, I work from 5 a.m. to about 2 p.m. every day. And then after two o'clock, I'm just chilling with my family. Um, I got a two-year-old daughter who I spend as much time with as I possibly can, which is a lot of time every day. And we go to the park and we go to the pool and we play in the backyard and we play hide and seek and we play whatever she wants to do and uh, hang out with my wife. Um, you know, I might golf a couple times a week. That's probably the thing I might do for myself. But for the most part, it's get my work done and then focus on the family and, you know, whatever whatever that entails. We cook dinner every night. Um, you know, we hang out with my in-laws, with my family. I mean, that's that's what I'm doing. I, I'm taking care of my, my job and my responsibilities, and then I walk walk out of this room and dive into hanging out with my wife and daughter and, and other family members. Yeah, that's really cool, man. I'll tell you what, that'll do it for this podcaster's roundtable. And let me say this to you, one similarity I've learned between Buffalo mainstream media and, you know, the, the Bills podcast or blogging community is people get along for the most part very well. And you guys are frequently, besides your own shows, which takes up a lot of your time, you guys are frequently guessing on each other's shows or, or other people's pods. And Time's a big commodity when you're, you know, when you're not a kid anymore and, and you guys don't have a lot of it, but you give it up pretty freely. And uh, I've always appreciated that. I'm not going to throw out Twitter handles for any of you guys, because, look, if you follow me on Twitter, if you're watching this show, guarantee you follow these three guys as well. But, of course, Bruce Nolan, Greg Thompson, Joe Marino, you guys are awesome. This was fun. And uh, like I said, no Bills talking. We got a lot out of it, man. I appreciate all you guys. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate you. Go Bills. Thanks a lot.